All right, guys, it's me again. Hey, that's good. All right, good. It's good to see you guys tonight. Um, again, I'm Michael Page. I'm the pastor here at uh, um, Connection Church Pooler. If this is your first time here, um, I, I just want to give you a personal welcome. Um, and if you, if you didn't have a chance to stop by our first-time guest table or our next steps table, um, I just want to encourage you to do that because uh, that'll give you an opportunity to see who we are as a church and what things we offer during the week. Because believe it or not, we do more than just this on Sunday. And so we have uh, connect groups you can go to. We have um, different Bible studies during the week that you can attend. We also have um, um, missions opportunities. We have um, all, all sorts of things that you can get involved in. Um, another cool thing is that um, this, uh, this week right now that you're in, the, the, tonight, is the last time we're meeting at night. Yeah, it's good. All right, so what, what happened is, you know, what, the reason we meet at night, just to explain, maybe to some of you guys are like, why do these guys meet at night time? It's so weird. Well, the reason we do that is because we are, we are one church with five locations. I love our church because um, we, we, our church supports one another. And uh, whenever, we're, whenever you start a new campus, sometimes it's hard to, to have the, the, four, the, the amount of people that you need to go to certain places, certain areas, volunteers, different things. And we see our campuses come around each other and support one another until we're able to be self-sustaining. And next week is our first morning service. And it's also Palm Sunday. If you have any kids that like to hunt Easter eggs, that'll be next week. It'll be awesome. We're having an Easter egg hunt with some food. Um, that would get me here. Um, so we're having a lot of cool things happen. And then also on um, Easter, our Easter is the next week on April the 1st. And what I love about Easter is this, this year, we're going to celebrate Easter by doing baptisms. And I don't think there's anything more appropriate than doing baptisms on Easter. Because what I've seen in the last 10 or 12 weeks of our church, that's how old our church is to this point. We've seen six, six people go from death to life in Christ. That's, that's something to celebrate. That's something to give God praise for because what I love is that it's not just been here in this service. We've had, we've had a guy give his life to Christ in a connect group. That's pretty cool too. And so that's awesome to see what God's doing. And we're going to baptize those six people here on April the 1st. So guys, be here for that. And, um, but I just want to encourage you with all that God's doing, that he's, he's just doing so much. And if you don't have a church home, we would love um, for you to call Connection Home. And so um, if, that's, if that's something you want to do, check out the Next Steps table. But um, again, I'm, my name is Michael Page, and uh, we're in the third week of a series that's called The End of Me. I touched on that earlier when I was speaking to you earlier, but um, it's called The End of Me. And it's basically um, it's, it's, it's talking about to be able to follow Christ the way the Bible tells us we have to follow him, we have to come to the end of ourselves, denying ourselves, taking up our cross, and following Jesus step by step by step in the things that he's calling us to do. Um, last week was, uh, it was our second week, obviously, because this week's our third. Um, we talked about Luke 14. It's probably one of the hardest verses to talk about in Scripture. If you're discipling someone, if you're leading someone to Christ, never start Luke 14. Because it's scary. It's terrifying. Even to the mature Christians, Luke 14 talks about that you, you have to give up everything to follow Christ. You have to carry your cross. That means you might possibly have to die to follow Christ. Following me means that you're, you're, you're saying no to self and yes to me. That means that you're, you're denying the things that you might want in, in regards to your life to see the kingdom built more than your own kingdom built. And so then also the last part was giving up everything you have. And unless you do that, you can't be my disciple. And so we're going to pick up right where we left off um, from in there. And this week, we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 10. So if you want to turn there, you can, Matthew chapter 10. But before we do that, I always want to talk about Scripture. I always want to talk about Scripture because as we, pray, as we prepare to jump in, as we prepare to open up the Scriptures, if you have the Word of God with you, 
And I hope you do. If you have your Bibles, if you don't have your Bibles, um, I, I'm just weird. I, I, don't, I don't really like the whole phone thing because I just like the paper and the book in my hands so I can see where the scripture is on the page. And I just feel like I can understand it there. And everybody's not like me. But if you have your Bibles, and, you, and I hope you do, um, just hold it in your hands for a second. If it's your phone, hold your phone in your hand. Let's open this Bible and let's, let's, let's look at it with reverence and with awe. And let's remember the words on this page of this book are divinely inspired and recorded to teach us and to train us on how to live and how to follow Jesus. Anytime we open this book, guys, there's, a, there's an opportunity for God to come in and do something radical in your life. There is. This book's precious to me, and I hope it's precious to you. Because as you read the pages of this book, your life can change. And tonight, my heart is for us to hold on to what the Bible says over any kind of beliefs that we may be holding on to or any kind of teachings that we may be holding on to. As believers, the Bible, I believe, has to, has to be our standard, has to be the bottom line, because the Bible is how God has chosen to reveal the truth to us, how God has chosen to, to reveal himself to us, and how he's chosen to teach us how to live. Can we agree with that? So that's why it's important for us to read it and do what it says. Life's simple in following Christ. We make it complicated. We're supposed to read Scripture and do what it says. We complicate it when we add pride in, when we add arrogance in, when we add ignorance in, when we add um, just human error in. All, and we, we complicate it. Scripture's simple. Read it, and let's do what it says. And so as we're looking tonight, as we're looking through Scripture tonight, let's go at it at that angle. Let's read Scripture, and let's look into our own lives, rhetorically, in your, each, each area of your life, and say, God, what do you want to teach me through this Scripture? What area of my life do I need to adjust to line up with Scripture? Where do I need to move? What next step do I need to take to be in line with what you're calling me to do as a Christian, as a believer? And so tonight, let's do that. Let's think about that. Let's think through that as we're walking through this tonight. So let's pray, and then we're going to jump into Matthew 10, okay? So uh, let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you for who you are. God, I pray for the one person in here tonight that may be far from you. <coughs> I pray, Lord, that you would just draw their hearts close. God, I pray that you would use Scripture, something that's said tonight, God, from the Word, to move people's hearts. God, I pray that you would never let us come here and leave the same way we came. God, I pray that you would move us into action, that you would just awe our hearts, God, with your presence, that we would see you for who you are, God, that we wouldn't be satisfied with just coming and sitting in a seat, God, but that we would just be so infatuated with, with who you are, God, that we would just seek you to the, to the end of our days, God, to, to know you, Father. We, we would not seek your hand and for what you would give us, God, but we would seek your face just for who you are, God, and that that would be enough and that your presence would fill us and move us into action. God, we love you. God, I pray that you would just be with us, speak through Scripture, speak through the Word, God. Make it come alive to someone tonight, God. We just ask this in your name. Amen. All right, here we go. So I'm going to set up this passage for you because there's a lot before it and a lot after it, okay? And so we're going to look at Matthew chapter 10, verses 24 through 39. That's what we're going to be at tonight. Matthew chapter 10, verses 24 through 39. And so basically, to kind of give you a, a preface, kind of a, 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 kind of a uh, this is where we're going with this, uh, we can look back in the verses 2 through 4, and you can look here, it says um, that, that Jesus, he says, these are the names of the 12 apostles, first Simon and, and his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, and the brothers John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, who betrayed him. And you notice they're, they're named in twos. So Jesus was sending them out two by two by two by two. And they were going out, and they were going out. Basically what he was saying 
<coughs> he told them where he was, they were going. He told them what they should bring. And he told them what they were supposed to say and how they were supposed to say it. And that's exactly what scripture does in our life. Okay? And so he was doing the same thing for them, but vocally. He told them not to worry about what to say. When you get to the places and, and you get persecuted and you stand before kings and governors and you stand in that place and you're, being, and you're scared, don't be afraid of what you should say because the Holy Spirit will speak for you and through you and he will give you the power to do what you're called to do. He said brother would betray brother. Families would come against families. They would be hated because of their faith in Jesus. And so that's where we pick up right now in verse 24. So let's read this together. Y'all can follow along with me in Scripture or on the screen. But it says this. It says, The student is not above the teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for students to be like their teacher and servants like their master. If the head of the house has been called Beelzebul, how much more are the members of the household? The head of the house is Jesus. The member of the household was the disciples. Okay, you got that? So do not be afraid of them, for there is nothing concealed that would not be disclosed or hidden that would not be made known. What I told you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. That's amazing. And even the very hairs of your hair are, head are numbered, not counted, numbered. Remember that for those of you who are struggling. Uh, so don't be afraid. You're worth more than many sparrows. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. Circle that. But whoever disown me, disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. Do not dispose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I've come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a father-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves their father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. So tonight, guys, there's a lot in there that Jesus was saying that we need to look at really carefully. We need to make sure we understand what Scripture is saying in this. And we're talking tonight in our third week of the end of me, what it means to come to the end of ourself. So tonight, I have a question for you, and it's kind of a funny question, but I want you to be really honest. And if we have one person that, I just want to, let's just ask the question. Who's brave enough to admit that you have some sort of irrational fear of something? Yeah, eight or ten people, not bad. Anybody afraid of heights? Five or six, okay. How about dying? Anybody afraid of dying? Awesome, got a bunch of Christians in here. <laughs> Anybody afraid of sharks? I'm afraid of sharks a little bit. Anybody, if you ain't never watched Shark Week, I, never mind. All right, public speaking. Who wants to be a public speaker? Anybody scared of that? That's a little bit more. How about germs? Anybody germaphobes in here? <laughs> All right. <laughs> How about flying? Anybody scared of flying? Anybody scared of flying in an airplane? All right, I've, I've, I've been there too. It's good. So I, I did some research this week. As you know, I'm a little bit of a nerd when it comes to research on logistics and things like that. The top 10 fears in, back in 2017, back a long time ago, um, according to a bear, it's probably very inaccurate, but it was pretty interesting. Um, it was a study that goes like this. From, from the top 10, from 10 down to one, being the most feared things. Number 10 was a fear of commitment. Where you at, boys? Number nine, 
Number nine was a fear of spiders. I'm right there. Number nine, spiders. Number eight, fear of rejection. Number seven was a fear of failure. Number six, which was interesting, was a fear of death. Number five was a fear of intimacy. There's a lot of relationships things. I didn't realize that the first time I was reading through this. Number four was a fear of the dark. Who's afraid of the dark? That's right. Yep. Um, number three was fear of heights. Number two was the fear of public speaking. And number one was the fear of flying. So what I want to point out here is number six was a fear of death. Number two was a fear of public speaking. So what that tells me is people would rather die than speak in public. <laughs> that's, that's impressive. That's a little bit, that's, it's impressive. If you ever want to hear a really funny story, um, my wife reminded me of a story from our honeymoon. We went to Jamaica, and we went zip lining and rappelling, um, and we got to this one place. And I just, I was under the impression that it was just a zip lining trip. And so I was like, we're going to zip line. I'm down with that. That's fun. I've done it before. It's great. And so we get to this, the highest point of this area. We can look down and see the bay, of the, it's Montego Bay or whatever. It's beautiful. And then um, all of a sudden, I hear this woman, like, fall, I see her, like, falling through the trees and, like, screaming bloody murder. I was like, and I'm, I'm, and I'm, up, in the, I'm up in a tree, and I'm like, how are we going to get down? Because I'm not going again. And we'll come to, <clears throat> come to find out that two or three um, stages later, there was a 90-foot drop straight down, repelling. And I was like, oh, God. I can't, I can't do that. I just, I start clammed up, you know, but she swears I was scared of the heights part. I don't think I was scared of the heights part. I was more scared of the falling part. And so that's the part that got, the fear of falling is my, I guess would be my uh, fear. So, this, but that's what we're talking about tonight is fear. And you think about the disciples, Jesus was saying, brother's going to betray brother. You may face persecution. You may face death. And these disciples, they've seen Jesus do miracles. They've seen him feed 5,000 people. They've seen him do all these things. And still, their humanity got to them. And they were like, they're out of breath, shortness. They were scared, okay? But even though they, he said, the Holy Spirit will speak for you. Now, the Holy Spirit hadn't necessarily come to, to, to anoint them yet. But it, it was just circumstantial at this point. The Holy Spirit would speak in the moment that you needed it, okay? And so my t- the question tonight is like, you know, where, where do the lines of our faith and our fear begin and where do they, where do they end? Where does the lines of our fear end and our faith begin? Or do we get to the point of fear and our faith is just gone? We, we've forgotten all the things that Jesus has done in our life. At what point does that happen? Do we know? Do we, do we have faith when it comes to fear? When it comes to, to doing that thing in our life that God's called us to that we may be scared of, we may be unequipped to do, but God has called us to do it. And is there fear? Are we gripped with fear? Are we encouraged with faith? Because guys, what I want to tell you tonight is if you're here tonight, it's your first time, and you may be struggling in your relationship with Jesus, or you may have no relationship with Jesus whatsoever, but we find endless faith when we lay our lives down for Christ. When we say, God, here's a blank check. Do with me what you you won't. We find endless faith. We find endless power when we give Christ the keys to our life and allow him to come alive in us to carry out his mission. Can we agree with that? that that's a fact. That's what happens because, guys, last week, we uh, asked you a question that I hope continues to resonate in your mind because one thing I know is the moment you walk out that door, what Satan wants to do, it talks about it a few chapters before in Matthew where it says he wants to snatch away that seed that's planted in our heart so that it can't grow and can't mature in our heart. So what I want you to resonate in your mind and to ask yourselves over and over and over, what cost are you willing to pay when it comes to following Christ? Just by sheer percentages, there's people in this room that are not willing to pay anything. They're not, I don't, I'm not about it. I don't care. I'm just here tonight because somebody brought me. There's other people here tonight that are struggling. They want to, but they also love this sin. 
There's other people tonight, too, that are here that have broken free from sin and are all in for the Lord. So that's what I love about the church is because we have all different types of people here tonight. We, my heart for us tonight is that we will be encouraged, guys, because you know what? Because the, what's going to determine how far we're going to go in our relationship with Jesus is how much we see Jesus, how much time we spend in his presence, and how much we begin to know him. Because once you know the king of the universe, nothing can scare you. Nothing can, nothing can put you away from that. Nothing can drive you away other than yourself. So how far are you willing to go in your relationship with Jesus? How far? Are there limits? If, there, if there's limits in your life for, is for how far you're willing to go, guess what, guys? That means that you're still holding on to an illusion of control in your life. If, if there's limits, and, and if we're holding on to that control, he's not the center of your life the place that he has to be if you want to follow him. Because if you're controlling your life, that means you're still the Lord of your life, and he's not. That's what Scripture tells us. And without question, guys, we have to understand this, and we have to see. And we, we talked about this last week. We saw Jesus tell the crowds that unless they gave up everything, everything they had, it says they could not be his disciples. It didn't say you would struggle. It didn't say you might not. You might get in. It says you could not. It was very clear. And it's the words of Jesus. Without question, we need to understand tonight as a church, without question that following Christ is always an all or nothing thing. It is an all or nothing relationship. We can never have one foot in and one foot out. We talked about Revelations chapter um, three a few weeks ago, just in, just in passing, um, about how Jesus says, I would rather you be hot or I'd rather you be cold. Basically, he, he's saying, I'd rather you be so far away from me that you don't have any interest in me at all, or I'd rather you be right up in my grill and you know me better than most people. I don't want you to be in the middle because if you're in the middle, you're being pulled both ways and you're useless. Is what he's saying for the kingdom. And so tonight, what I want you to hear is we can't ever have that one foot in, one foot out. But I think that's where a lot of self-proclaiming Christians are standing. We like to straddle that fence of our faith because of the fear that there's a chance that they might not be right about Jesus. What if, it's, what if Jesus isn't real? What if all this faith stuff isn't real? What if Jesus doesn't come through? I still need my security. I still need to hold on to this, this money or this, this relationship or this, the thing that's going to the, the make me um, confident and comfortable in the moments where I'm feeling uncomfortable and unconfident. You know, that's the place where we find a lot of American Christians at is on that fence. And so maybe it's fear that holds some of us back and fear is the center of what we're talking about tonight, guys. And that's what I want us to hear is that, that fear is going to hold us back. And as we grow in our faith, guys, there will be. I promise. That's guaranteed according to Scripture. If you want to grow in your faith, as you grow in your faith, there will be times if we're not grounded in our faith in Christ, fear and doubt is going to creep in. Now, who's ever had that experience? Everybody that follows Christ. If you are a follower of Christ, if you're not grounded in that faith, Fear and doubt will creep in, and Satan is going to use that to deter us from carrying out the plans that God laid out for us before the beginning of time. Isn't that awesome how God plans things for us before we were born to carry out for him and his kingdom? And if we're living in fear, if we're living uh, just safe, we'll never get to the point where we're able to experience those blessings. Guys, we serve a sovereign God. He's over all things who isn't bound by time. He's not bound by emotion. He's not bound by fear. His plans are perfect and his heart is kind. He's good. He wants good for us and his glory, it says. His word is truth and it's completely just and it is right. 
all the way through it. He loves us and wants us to, he wants to see us used for his purpose that he created us for. If we're controlled by fear, guys, we'll find it impossible to carry out the purposes on this earth that God's laid out. And this was the aim that, that Jesus was going at with these verses that we just read. This was the aim that Jesus was going to when, when he was giving the disciples the encouragement. He was trying to give them courage to speak the truth of God's word no matter what, with clarity and openness, no matter what the cost. Speak the truth of God, that what he has taught them, no matter what the cost, speak it. Speak it out loud. They knew the word of truth. They knew the word of truth. They knew this scripture. They knew the word of God because John 1 talks about the word was God, the word was with God. This is the word that they was teaching them. The word of truth, the author of truth was teaching these guys and guiding them. Wasn't that cool? That same spirit that's inside of that same spirit that rose Christ from the dead is living in us, was living in them. But guys, we struggle with our flesh, don't we? I do. We struggle with our flesh. And Jesus knew that these disciples were going to struggle with their flesh. He knew that they would struggle because they're human. But guys, we should never be satisfied with staying in that place of struggling with our flesh. Because there's so many times that God wants to take us to our next step. Maybe it's giving. Maybe it's serving. Maybe it's loving our neighbor. Maybe it's sharing Christ. Maybe it's discipling someone or evangelizing. We have a next step. And the moment we decide we're going to plant our feet in that concrete and not move because we're comfortable is the moment we stop being effective and the moment God's presence moves away from us because we're being obstinate and controlling with what he's called us to do. I knew it would be quiet after that one. We all struggle with that as humans because of flesh because of our flesh. And guys, tonight there's four things in this passage. You know I had some points. You know I had some points. There's some people, I know. There, but I got four instead of three this time, okay? So there's four things that Jesus wanted to encourage his disciples with. There's four things that I noticed in this scripture. Number one, we can find in verses 24 through 25. If you're still there, check it out. It says this. It says, a student is not above the teacher nor the servant above his master. It is enough for students to be like their teachers and servants like their master. If the head of the house has been called Beelzebul, how much more the members of his household? Number one, don't be surprised by persecution. Don't be surprised by persecution. If you're living for Christ, if you're following Jesus the way that he's called you to, do not be surprised when persecution comes. Don't be surprised. It says, if the head of the household has been called Beelzebul, how much more the members of his household? If they called me the prince of demons, they're going to call you bad or much more, is what he's saying to them right now. The teacher, of the, he's, he's, that's what he's saying. He's saying that if they did it to me, they're going to do it to you. Guys, if we set our hearts to follow Christ like it's laid out in Scripture, it's going to look weird to people. It says we will be persecuted. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 12 says this. It says, in fact... Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. You guys, if, if, and I want to encourage you with this too. If, if you've never faced persecution, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're not saved. That's not what that means. But we always need to ask ourselves this question. Do people see Jesus in me? Do people see Christ in me? Am I following God? Am I allowing God to use me? Or am I allowing God to use me only whenever it's okay with the way that I want him to use me? Does that make sense? Or am I allowing God to use me the way that he wants to? The second thing is, am I, am I being obedient 
in my walk with Jesus? Am I being obedient in my walk with Jesus? The next one is, have I ever been outside the boundaries of my comfort zone in my faith? Have I ever been outside the boundaries of my comfort zone when it came to my faith? Have I ever done something in my life, in your life? Have we ever done something in our lives where if it, if, if, if it messes up, I'm in trouble? You know what I mean? Does that, does that mean have, we ever done, have we ever been in that moment? Because in the moments, guys, if, if, if not then again, like this, we have to hear this. We have to evaluate ourselves every day in our faith. We have to say, am I in the faith? God, am I, in the, am I following you the way that you've called me to? Jesus, am I walking in step with you? In Galatians 5, am I in step with the Spirit? You can look in 2 Corinthians. We're going to do a lot of scripture. Is that okay? Yes. Okay. 2 Corinthians 13, 5. You don't have to flip there every time. You can look on the screen and just write it down for later. Paul says, examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. Test yourselves. Do not realize that Christ Jesus is in you unless, of course, you fail the test. Guys, while it doesn't mean that we're necessarily lost if we've never faced persecution, it might mean that we've never made it past the spiritual infancy stage of our faith and need to take some steps in following Jesus. It might mean that we're stuck in in an infancy stage of our faith and we need to take those next steps that God's calling us to. Guys, we, we always need to press on towards spiritual maturity. Always. There's not one person in this church from all campuses or in the big C church over all the entire world that needs to take, that doesn't need to take a next step. We need to take next steps no matter who you are, no matter where you are. We need to be taking bold steps of faith towards Jesus every day. Guys, I've said this from this stage many times that there's no passivity in our faith with Jesus. There can be no passivity when we follow Jesus. It's an action thing, a daily actional step of following Christ. It's a a daily thing because Jesus came to bring a message of peace. Guys, but we we need to understand that that he was met with persecution. Why does the world persecute such a loving and peaceful message? Love your neighbor as yourself. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Why would it persecute that? That seems to be great, right? That seems to be, uh, that's, I'll follow that. That's a great message. The short answer, guys, is sin. Sin. The gospel confronts people in their sin, and that produces a very divisive message for some people. Guys, whenever, whenever the cross confronts our sin, we're left with a decision. Do we change and follow Christ, or do we reject him and go back to our sin? Verse 34, it says, Do not suppose that I've come to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Guys, a sword, what does it do? It divides, it severs, it cuts. But what I want you to see in this truth is that the sword is the effect of his coming, not the purpose. The sword was the effect of him coming and the effect of his message. It wasn't the, he didn't come to divide. He didn't come to, to, to divide brother against brother and mother-in-law against sister-in-law. He didn't, come, he didn't come to do that. He came to bring a message of peace, of salvation, of, of the cross. The cross, guys, was the most loving act in all of history to the people whose hearts have been awakened to the gospel. And when you see your sin and you realize that you can't make it without somebody coming and dying in your place, and you see Jesus for who he is, that is the most loving message that you'll ever hear. That's the most loving message that you'll ever follow. That's the most loving message that you'll ever speak out and evangelize with, guys. So, but the most divisive message to the person who rejects Jesus because they love the world and sin more than they love Christ. Because it, it, it directly confronts us. 
And in our culture, we hate confrontation. We've created this confrontational phobia where even in churches, when someone is confronted in sin, it becomes offensive. As Christians, we're meant to confront one another in our sin, to love one another, to bring restoration because God has given us a ministry of what? Reconciliation. Reconciliation and restoration. And so guys, that's tonight. That's what I want you to hear. So don't be surprised when people reject you or persecute you because they persecuted and rejected Christ first. We just looked at verses 24 and 25. But Jesus wasn't asking the disciples to do something that, 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 they had, that he hasn't already experienced before. Jesus had experienced persecution. He experienced the, the, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law trying to kill him more than once. He knew what persecution was. Number two, this is the next thing. This was his response. Never fear persecution. Don't be surprised by persecution. Never fear it. Never fear persecution. Verse 26 through 28a. 26, so do not be afraid of them, for there is nothing concealed that would not be disclosed or hidden that would not be made known. Basically, that means the truth is going to come out. The truth of what you're speaking is going to come out. The truth of the message of the gospel will be revealed, whether now or in the end times. It will be revealed for what it is. Don't be scared. You speak the truth. It says, what I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Basically, what I've told you in secret, proclaim it out loud for everyone to hear. What I've told you in a one-on-one setting, go onto a roof and shout it for all to hear. In, these, in, this, in this culture, in these cities, in these places, houses were on top of each other, they were right next to each other, and the roofs were a lot of the times flat. And you would, if you stood on top of this flat roof and proclaimed a message, at least 50 people were going to hear you, if not more. You're going to proclaim this message from the rooftops. It means tell everybody so that everybody can hear. And that means in a loud volume, too, if, you want, if you're like me. So just tell everybody. Get fired up about it. It means get fired up about this message and tell everyone. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Don't be scared of the person that can't take away from you the most important thing that you possess, which is your soul. They can hurt you. They can physically cause physical harm. They can hurt you with their words. That doesn't matter. That's temporary. So tonight, guys, Jesus was saying, don't fear people when people come when they speak against you in my message because they're going to come is what he's saying. You speak the truth of what you've seen and what you've heard and what you've been taught. I just told you in verse 26, the truth, it will be brought out. The truth will be revealed. What I've told you in private, speak it public. That's what I was just saying in a second ago. 2 Timothy, look at 2 Timothy on the screen here in a second. 2 Timothy 4, 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 4. And this is Paul talking to Timothy. He's saying, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead in the view of his appearing in kingdom, I give you this charge. This is what I want you to do. Get fired up about this. Preach the word. Be prepared. Those two, those two words, need to, those two phrases need to be underlined in your Bible. Preach the word. Be prepared. In season and in out of season, correct, rebuke, encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, keep your head in all situations, endure hardships, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. Does that sound like our time that we're living in right now? 
People are, are going places and listening to false teachings. There's false teachers coming every which way, messages coming that, that don't line up with the gospel. It's important, guys, that if we're going to follow Jesus, this is the law. This is the standard of our belief and who we are. What it says in here is what I believe. If it doesn't say in here, I don't believe it. If it says in here, it's fact for me. That's the bottom line for me. Because the Bible is the inspired word of God that, that, that is, is sharper than two, a double-edged sword, it says in Hebrews. And so tonight, guys, I want you to hear, as Paul was telling Timothy, be prepared in season and out. Because don't be afraid of the thing, those things. Whenever, whenever you are faced with it, preach the word. Share the truth. Don't, be, don't, don't shrink back in fear. Because what God's told you is going to last for eternity. Because the word is everlasting. Is what it says in Scripture. But guys, our culture has taught us to kind of to run away from discomfort or lean away from discomfort or conflict. Whenever conflict comes, if you're like most, the, the higher percentage of people in our culture, like we live in that self-gratifying culture that kind of teaches us to, to seek the comfortable things or the easiest path or the shortest path to success. If I can take a couple of, of extra steps to get me a further along in my career, I'm going to do it. Or if I can get a little further, we, we try to get to a place where we are avoiding the hardships. We're avoiding the hard parts. Like me, for instance, I want to get a six-pack without working out. Don't happen, okay? Don't happen. We go, we go try to do workouts like P90X because it takes 90 days. I can do 90 days, okay? We can 90 days, three months, good. You know, but we try to get the easiest fix we can. We, we go away. We go away from the things that are hard sometimes. But guys, this bleeds over into our, into our spiritual lives. And I want to say shame on us for doing that because this goes against Scripture because Jesus taught there will be discomfort in our lives because of sin, because of the sinful world we live in, because of our faith, we're going to be looked at as different. We're going to be persecuted for our faith if we're living like we're supposed to. And that, that he was saying that, that it would come as persecution and trials, but he also said it would lead to eternal comfort. That's, that's encouraging, right? Eternal comfort. Eternal, eternal comfort with, with God. First Peter, we're going to read some more scripture. First Peter 4, 12 through 14. It says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as if something strange were happening to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you're insulted because of the name of Christ, you're blessed for the spirit of, of glory and, the, and of God rests on you. So he's saying, rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ. Does that sound like our culture? No. It sounds like very counterculture. And that's what our faith is. Our, we have a faith that's countercultural. We, we don't follow the ways of the world. We follow a different kingdom. And it's saying if you're insulted because of the name of Christ, you're blessed. You're blessed because you get to be named alongside of Jesus. And that's cool. That's awesome. And guys, what I want to hear, what you need to hear, what I want to hear, what I want my heart to, to, to take as, as truth tonight is we can't self-serve. We can't self-serve ourselves and serve Christ at the same time. We can't serve self and Christ at the same time. That is impossible. It's impossible. Instant gratification has no place in the kingdom of God. Instant gratification has no place in the kingdom of God. Guys, if you're a true follower of Christ, comfort is one of your greatest enemies in this world. 
If you're a true follower of Christ, comfort is one of, the, one of the greatest enemies that you have. Comfort and complacency will kill your faith. Comfort and complacency will kill your faith. I know from experience, getting in that place of complacency where thinking you're just doing the next thing, you're just doing the next thing, you're going to the next thing, you're going to the next Bible study, you're going to the next thing at church, you're going to the next church service, you're just doing the next thing mindlessly. Complacency. Faith will go downhill anytime that happens. 1 Peter again, 1 Peter 1, 7 through 9, says the suffering of persecutions and trials have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, which is of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, honor when Christ Jesus is revealed. All of this has a purpose. Your life has a purpose. You following Christ has a purpose. If you're not following Christ, what's happening? Where are we at with that? What is Peter saying here? If we run away from persecution or trials, if we run away from the things that are hard in our faith, will we grow? Will we, will we grow or will our growth be stunted? Will our faith become weaker? The answer to that is yes. Because this is, this is what I've learned this week. I, I've been studying a lot. I've been thinking a lot and praying a lot about this sermon. When it comes to following Christ, I feel like American Christians seem to fall to one, or th- one of three things. I've narrowed it down to three, three things. I know there's a lot more probably. But whenever, we're, whenever it comes to following Christ, we, we either lighten the message, we lighten the message because we want to be accepted. We, we lighten the message because we want to be accepted. Or we water down the message in attempts to make it less offensive for people. A watered down gospel is no gospel. A watered down gospel is, is no gospel. That's what scripture says. And the last thing is we fail to share the gospel. We fail to share the message because we fear fear rejection or we don't really believe what we say we believe. And so what what I've said from the beginning of time in this church, and I've said it back in the the karate school, back when we used to meet there, if we're not sharing Christ as a church, as, as a believer in Christ, if I'm not sharing Jesus with Christ, if I have the cure for the uncurable disease of sin and I'm not sharing it with somebody, two things are true. I either hate that person a lot and want them to go to hell, or I really don't believe what I say I believe. I don't see much middle ground in there. I I mean, I might, we can talk about that if you want, but that's the two messages that I see. Either I don't care about that person's salvation or their their life or their soul, I don't care about it, or I don't believe what I say I believe. And either one of those is is rough, right? I mean, both both sides of that is, is terrible. So where are we at as a church, as believers, as followers of Christ? I asked myself that this week. Where am I at on this list? Where am I at? Because if we're true followers of Christ, guys, what I know is there's, a, there's something called the fear of man. When it comes to persecution, when it comes to sharing, the, the fear of man has to go if we're a true follower of Christ. It can't be there. It can't be in the same realm of a, of a follower of Christ with, with one that has faith and one that has power. Fear must be replaced with boldness whenever we come in the presence of God because God gives us boldness and courage. He gives us power from the Holy Spirit because, guys, what I know is our lives should be characterized, our lives should be characterized by the fruit of our time spent with Jesus. So if I'm spending time with Jesus, my life should start looking like Jesus. My life should start looking like Jesus' life. And so what I, what I see in there, 
What I see in there is, is, is he's going to start producing that love, that joy, that peace, but also boldness and courage, truth, wisdom, discernment, all the gifts of the Spirit. They're, they're going to be imparted in us as we follow Christ. And you can look in Proverbs 29. It talks about the fear of man. It says, the fear of man will prove to be a what? A snare. If anybody knows what a snare is, go look it up. It's a, it's a hunting tool. You mean it's a, it holds you back. It hold, the tighter, the further you move away from it, it tightens down on you even further. And so, it, it's, but whoever trusts the Lord is kept safe. The fear of man is a snare, but whoever trusts the Lord is kept safe. Guys, in the presence of your Savior, in the presence of Jesus, all fear must cease. Has to. If you are in the presence of Jesus and you have fear, of anything but the fear of God, we need to redirect our attention. That means we're distracted by something. Because if we have our mind centered on Christ, we're comforted because he is the Lord of all. The Lord of all. He knows our deepest fears. He knows the best characteristics of us. He knows the worst. And he still chooses to love us and to die for us. You guys, if your testimony tonight is weighed down by fear or fear is keeping you from following Jesus the way he intended, I have one question for you. I have one question for you to, to answer. Are you spending time in his presence? Are you spending time in his presence just to be with him and learn from him and know him? Not for what you'll get, not for the deliverance of, of, of things, not for, not for, uh, for help, but for what, for just for him just for the presence of God, for who he is, the creator and the sustainer of all things, the lover of our souls. So, you know, will you love him even if he never chooses to bless you? Will you love him even if the medical report never changes? Will you love him? Will you stand for him even if, if it means losing something or someone? It's important, guys, because if we haven't seen his goodness, his love, if we haven't experienced his grace or felt his love, we can't understand what it means to see a God who, who loves us to the point of dying for us on a cross, much less follow someone like that. And so tonight, you know, if we've seen him, when we see him, fear runs, and our purpose becomes pretty clear. I guess it's already on the screen, maybe, no? Um, Revelation 1, and so we're going to read some Revelation, boys and girls. This is going to be awesome. Revelation 1, I want you to see who Jesus is. This is John writing in Revelation. John had, been, John had been on earth with Jesus for the entirety of his mission, He's been all, of his life and, and work, and had seen Jesus, had seen the man Jesus, had seen who he was. And now we're seeing, in Revelation, we see where John comes face to face with the glorified Jesus his eternal body, who he is eternally. And so it says this in verse 9 through 18. He says, I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos because the word of God, because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. He was in persecution. He was exiled to this island. It says, on the Lord's day, I was in the spirit and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, which said, Write on a scroll that what you see and send it to the seven churches of Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. Those lampstands represented the churches. And among the lampstands was someone like the Son of God. 
dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet, and with a golden sash on his chest, the hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire, his feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like a sound of rushing waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars. A lot of people think those were the seven pastors of that church. And coming out of his mouth was a sharp, double-edged sword. His face was like the shining sun, or sun shining in all of its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid. How in the world does he expect John not to be afraid? The man's tongue is a sword, okay? Listen, don't be afraid. I'm first and the last. I'm the living one. I was dead and now look, I'm alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. That is good news, right? Jesus was alive. He showed himself that this is a Jesus that we serve, this is the awe and the wonder that John, John's life had already been changed forever, but if there was ever another level to that, this was it. <laughs> it was like, I've already seen enough, God. I don't know if I can handle any more, but wow, your feet are going. This is crazy. Like this, it's amazing. I mean, he saw, and this brings about Philippians 4.13 to another level. It takes it away from the whole, I'm going my softball game scenario to I can change my life to, to look like Jesus. I can do all things. This changes that verse. It changes that meaning altogether, right? When you see that, that's the Jesus. I, that, I'm with you, brother. I, I'm, I'm, I'm all on board then. But he, this takes that verse and, and moves it up. So, and you can look back in verse 28a, where it talks about, don't fear those who can kill the body but can't kill the soul. At what point am I going to fear what, I, what John was seeing, or am I going to fear this man that's trying to come against me in my faith? Every day over here, every day, every day. Because what I know is that if this person loves me like he says he did, he died on the cross, was, was, was crucified, dead, and buried. And if I'm following him, I, I, have to, I, I don't have to fear anything. Jesus is saying, don't fear the persecutor or what you can lose. They can't take away what really matters, which is your soul. And I want to share a story with you guys that's really close to my heart. And every time I'm, 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 a, I'm a Southern Baptist, recovering Southern Baptist, that, um, you know, that's really, I, the hymns, of the old hymns really get me. The, the words are so rich with, with theology. I love them. And one of my favorite hymns is... Um, um, I decided to follow Jesus. And I, I wanted to learn the story of what it meant that uh, I decided to follow Jesus. So I looked it up. And I'm going to read it to you, okay? It says, about 150 years ago, there was a great revival in Wales, England. As a result of this, many missionaries came from England to northeast India to spread the gospel. The region was known as Assam and comprised of hundreds of tribes. The tribal communities were quite primitive and aggressive. The tribes were also called headhunters because of a social custom which required the male members of the community to collect as many heads as possible. A man's strength and ability to protect his wife was assessed by the number of heads he had collected. That's awesome. Therefore, a youth of marriageable age would try and collect as many heads as possible and hang them on the walls of his house. No second date. The more heads a man had, the more eligible he was, he was considered. In this hostile and aggressive community came a group of Welsh missionaries spreading the message of love, peace, and hope of Jesus Christ. Naturally, they were not welcomed. One Welsh missionary finally succeeded in converting a man, his wife, and two children. The man's faith proved contagious, and many villagers began to accept Christianity. Angry, the village chief summoned all the villagers. He then called the family who had first converted to renounce their faith in public or face execution. 
Moved by the Holy Spirit, the man sung his reply. I had decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Enraged at the refusal of the man, the chief ordered his archers to arrow down the two children. As both boys lay dead on the floor, the chief asked, will you deny your faith? You have lost both of your children. You will lose your wife too. But the man replied again, singing, though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back. The chief was beside himself with fury and angry and ordered his wife to be arrowed down. In a moment, she joined her two children in death. Now he asked for the last time, I will give you one more opportunity to deny your faith and live. In the face of death, And the, the man sung, the cross before me, the world behind me. The cross before me, the world behind me. The cross before me, the world behind me. No turning back, no turning back. He was shot dead like the rest of his family. But this is where it's awesome. The, their deaths, a miracle took place. The chief who had ordered the killings was moved by the faith of the man. He wondered, why should this man, his wife, and two children die for a, for a man who lived in a faraway land on another continent of some 2,000 years ago? There must be some supernatural power behind the family. And I too want that supernatural power. In a spontaneous confession of faith, he declared, I too belong to Jesus Christ. When the crowd heard this from the mouth of their chief, the whole village accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior. The formation of these words of the hymn was attributed to this Welsh missionary. And so tonight, guys, that's what I want us to hear is that what kind of faith is that? This man faced death of his family, faced his own death. He saw something in Jesus that was worth more than the lives of his family, than his own life, than anything. He says, though none go with me, still I will follow. The cross before me, the world behind me. I'm looking to heaven. I'm looking to Jesus. Everything else is behind me. And so tonight, we're not going to finish tonight, obviously. But I want you to hear this, that, you know, as we're following Christ, and as, as he, he says, don't fear, and he says, he says, walk with me. He says, he says, fear me, not man. One of the greatest quotes I've heard and I've seen is that our society strives to avoid any possibility of offending anyone except God. And I think tonight, guys, the fear of God is something that we're that's missing in our culture, the fear of God. And there's a difference in, in being afraid of God and fearing God. You know, you know, fearing the Lord produces a, a fear of being away from the Lord. Being afraid of God is, is usually because of sin. And tonight, there's, this, there's a verse in Psalms 139 that says, How amazing are your thoughts concerning me, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. And if you think about this, scientists have, have done a study on one cubic feet of, of sand, of, of beach, and there's 1.8 billion grains of sand in one cubic feet of, of beach. That's a lot of thoughts, right? It's a lot of grains of sand. And this shows me that God wants a very personal and intimate relationship with us. It's telling me that he wants to have an intimate relationship with us. But you can never have an intimate and personal relationship with someone we're scared of or we don't understand, someone we don't seek, someone we don't pray, someone we don't um, seek after. 
We can look back at our, our verse we read earlier. It says God is involved in the minute details of a sparrow's life. Think about that for a second. In a sparrow's life, God is involved in the minute details. It says, it says in another place in the scripture, he counts the stars and calls them by name. He knows every single star in their name. He created them. Like he knows every hair on our head is numbered. It's, it's amazing. And this is the same God that, that provided a ram for Abraham because he cares. It's the same God that fed Elijah by the brook because he was tired from running from God. He provided. It's the same God that was there with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire because he was protecting them. He directed the stone of David to, Sam, or to Goliath's head because he empowers. He empowered John the Baptist to preach. He was with the disciples in prison, and he was with Jesus all throughout his ministry. So tonight, guys, I wanted to ask you, do you know Christ? Do you know Jesus? Do you know him? Because what it's saying tonight, guys, is one of the, what we have to do when following Christ, we have to love Jesus more than anyone or anything. It has to be that way or, or nothing. We can't truly follow Christ without dying to ourselves. And tonight, I just want to ask you, you know, because one thing, we, we, we love talking about heaven and we love talking about, you know, we're going to heaven but if you don't love Jesus, heaven's gonna be terrible for you because it's gonna be about Jesus. It's gonna be centered around him and glorifying him every second of the day. Sorry for the spoiler. Um, you know, the cross of Christ, guys, is, is to sal- God, I love you and I'm so grateful for who you are. I'm so grateful that you're here tonight and that you're doing something great in our midst. God, I pray, Father, tonight that you would move in our hearts. God, the word that was spoken, I pray that you would change our hearts. If you're here tonight, and, and I just want to, I just want to, I just want you to be bold in this. If you've never turned your life over to Christ, if you've never, if you've never said yes to Jesus, if you've never said, Lord, I can't save myself. I know I need a savior. I just want you to pray this with me. And if, if it's something where you want, you need to surrender your life, just, just pray this with me. Say, God, Father God, I know I'm a sinner. And I ask for your forgiveness. I believe that you died for my sins and you rose again, defeating death. I turn from my sins. I repent of my sins. I invite you to come into my life, into my heart. I know I need you. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and my Savior. Lord, teach me how to follow. Teach me how to obey. In Jesus' name. I just want to ask tonight, if you if you prayed that prayer for the first time with your eyes still closed, I just want to ask you to raise your hand if you prayed that for the first time tonight. We want to pray with you. If you're here tonight, if you prayed that for the 103rd time, I want to talk to you too. Find somebody that you trust. Find somebody in your connect group. Find somebody in a blue or a white or an orange shirt tonight and ask for help. Ask for prayer. Because one thing I know is that God wants us to lay down our idols. Sometimes our idols are us. So tonight, guys, if if that's you, um, I just want to pray real quick and then we're going to have some announcements. We're going to go. But um, if that's you tonight, guys, I just want to just encourage you to surrender.
Because God wants everything. So, Father, we love you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you're doing in our lives, God. I just pray that you would be with us, guide us, and direct us as we go. Father, don't let the word that was spoken tonight, Father, from Scripture, move away from our hearts. God, protect us from the evil one that tries to come in and take it away. Lord, we love you, and it's your name I pray.